What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Malari. So the Clippers are 0-5 since the James Harden trade. I'm going to break down their two recent losses from this past weekend against Dallas and the Memphis Grizzlies. After that, I'll give another rundown of other things going on in the NBA. From the hot start of the season for the Houston Rockets and the Philadelphia 76ers, and then all the way to the Miami Heat turning this season around after slow starts. So let's start off with the Clippers. They're 0-5 since the James Harden trade, and have lost four straight games with Harden in the lineup. They had a tough loss to Dallas on Friday night. They got their doors blown off in that one. At one point, after Harden subbed out for Russell Westbrook in the first half, the Mavericks went on a 28-2 run, which turned into a 35-4 run. And mind you, the Clippers at one point in this game had a 33-22 lead in the first quarter. The Clippers are up at one point, 33-22. Then the Mavericks went on a 17-0 run, and that killed the Clippers' hope. Paul George was completely scoreless in the first half for the first time in his Clippers career. And Dallas found a way to just completely annihilate the Clippers' defense. The Clippers are all over the place on defense, and their offense was ice cold. So Dallas just found a way to really make it tough on the Clippers on offense and defense. They did. And the Clippers are missing shots. They like to go in iso ball, miss some shots on that. Paul George was ice cold. You need him to be better than that. And if you also look at it, the Clippers haven't been able to gel yet, considering this is only four games into the trade with James Harden. So they're still all over the place, still trying to figure out the chemistry of the team. And while doing so, they have a tough schedule having to play Dallas, then Memphis. Memphis has been struggling, but now they have to play Denver tonight. So the Clippers have to figure things out and figure their chemistry out against good teams, which Memphis on Sunday I thought was going to be an opportunity for them to win the game, find a way to get some chemistry and momentum, and get some confidence. And that wasn't the case. They lost that game as well. In this game against Dallas, though, the Clippers' third unit honestly surprised me in that one. They outscored Dallas 75-67 to in the second half. The Clippers outscored Dallas 75-67 to in the second half. And a lot of those points came from the third unit. Guys like Bones Highland, Terrence Mann, Kobe Brown, Amir Coffey. All of those guys got opportunities to play in this game. Like Amir Coffey, Kobe Brown, Musa Diabate. They all got opportunities to play in this because it was a blowout in the second half. And Ty Lue said, all right, this game's over with midway through the third quarter just about and said, let's just throw in our bench and see what happens. And the bench unit honestly was solid. In the second half, Bones Highland had 13 points, 6 assists, 3 rebounds, a steal, and shot 4-7 from the floor. Also in the second half, Musa Diabate had 9 points, 8 rebounds. He looked very good in the minutes he got. Shout out to Clip K74. He's been a big Musa Diabate fan. Go make sure to check out his YouTube page, Clipcase74. I've mentioned him a good amount now on the podcast. Talks everything NBA and even talks some NFL as well. So go and check out his page. But he's a big Musa fan. He's been asking for Musa to get some more minutes. And he looked pretty good in the second half. Kobe Brown also got some minutes. Three for four, seven points, and a rebound. I'm a big Kobe Brown guy. The Clippers drafted him for a reason, knowing he could help this team currently where they currently stand. They didn't go out and take a guy that was just a one-and-done in college. They took a guy that stayed in college, was more developed and more NBA-ready right now to help out a team and win now mode. And that's the reason they took Kobe Brown. I was happy to see him get more minutes. Hopefully he gets more minutes in tonight's game versus Denver. And the Terrence made at six points, four rebounds, and three assists in the second half. One thing that showed in this game, though, was a lack of depth for the Clippers at the four. They traded all of their power forwards in that trade to get James Harden. And they're going all God-heavy lineups. And there's also a lack of ball movement. So a combination of all those three things, lack of depth at the four, God-heavy lineups, and lack of ball movement, has showed why the Clips are losing games. Obviously, the chemistry hasn't been there yet, but I think that's going to come. I do still worry about the Clippers' size, considering they don't really have depth of power forward, and also the God-heavy lineups. Because I know Ty Lue loves running the four God lineups, but in my opinion, he needs to limit 
the amount of times he uses the four god lineups in a game. He really does. Maybe depending on the opponent, you use it more than others. But the Clippers need to find a way to add a four off the street. They need to find a way to add a free agent power forward to add to their lineup and throw them in the rotation. Because the four god lineup was an absolute kill in this game against Dallas. Then in that game to Memphis on Sunday, the Clippers are playing a Memphis Grizzlies team that doesn't have John Moran to begin the season. They don't have Brandon Clark this season. And they're also without Steven Adams this season. They are 1-8 to begin the year, still waiting for John Moran to come back. And they found a way to beat the Clippers in this one. Desmond Bain was an absolute pain for the Clippers. Marcus Smart even hit a couple big shots. And then Jaron Jackson Jr. struggled in this game. He's typically better than he was in that one. But it was still enough to beat the Clippers. And the Clippers started off ice cold in this game. Unlike any other game they've had since the trade. Because it seems like most of the games since the trade went down, the Clippers started off the game hot. And then went cold over time once they switched the rotations and took a couple starters out. That's when they typically went cold when some of the bench guys went in. But in this one against Memphis, the Clippers are ice cold from the beginning. They were down 33-20 to after the first quarter. They found a way to get themselves back in the game. A fourth quarter run that really got them back in it. They even got a lead at one point. And it was a unit of original guys that were on the team before the trade. Russell Westbrook, Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. Small ball lineup, but all five of those guys have the chemistry before the trade, obviously. They played together now for a couple years. And they found a way to really gel, obviously, over the years. And in this one, they willed the Clippers back into this game. They outscored Memphis 33-26 to in the fourth quarter and honestly almost won the game. They were right there at the end. And considering where they were at one point in this one, trailing by 15, and they were down 11 heading into the fourth quarter, to be able to take the lead with 4.47 to go in the fourth quarter after Paul George free throw, that was a gift. Just to be able to get the lead back and see some life from the Clippers and some momentum, that was a good sign. I know we lost the game, but it's good to see some life. It's good to see Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and the rest of that unit click. Even though these five guys already had chemistry before the trade, it's good to see the Clippers having chemistry somewhere. Because with James Harden, it still hasn't come yet, which I still think it's going to come. I think they're going to gel. I'm not going to panic just yet. But it's good to see the Clippers playing with some momentum and getting some runs in on offense where they're going on 6-0 runs, 5-0 runs, getting stops on defense. They need that more. And Norman Powell was huge in this one. He was huge in the comeback. 20 points, 4 for 7 from 3, and had the hot hand to get the Clippers back in the game. Even had a couple of chances at the end when Paul George acquired Leonard. were looking for him to take the big shot because that's how hot he was. That's how hot he was. Harden was on the bench for basically all the fourth quarter until coming into the game with 1 minute 55 seconds to go, taking Russell Westbrook out of the game. Harden steps in within 20 seconds and hits the game-tying 3 with 1 minute 33 seconds to go. And then had the chance to tie the game again at 101 with the Clippers trailing by three with 36 seconds left. But a shot was blocked and the Clippers ended up losing the game. But I'm not going to blame the entire game on Harden. They still have to gel. Harden had 11 points in this one, 4 for 12 from the field, 1 for 7 from three. Really struggled shooting the ball. Four rebounds, three assists, and was minus 28 as a rating. Russell Westbrook, 12 points, plus 10 rating, nine rebounds, five assists, and three steals. Hustles as he always does. Doesn't matter what the score is, a blowout in your favor or against you, Russell Westbrook is always going to give you everything he has. No matter if you're in the playoffs, out of the playoffs, contending for the finals, or contending for top draft pick, Russell Westbrook is always going to give you everything he has on a nightly basis. And that's one of the main reasons I love him. Paul George had 26 points in this game, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 steals, and 7 turnovers. Did have a plus 2 rating. One thing he has to do better, though, is try to prevent those turnovers. He has to be more careful. And then Kawhi Leonard had a quiet night on offense. Just 14 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, a steal, and 2 blocks, a minus 18 rating. Since the trade, the Clips are 0-5 and 0-4 since James Harden stepped into the lineup. They've been really struggling to gel, like I've said. 
But there's still a lot of time for them to get back on track. I'm not completely giving up on this team. I'm not completely panicking like a lot of people are online. It's not March. It's not April. There's still time to get things on track. It's only November. But if the Clippers do start of the season, let's say 5-15 and 15 in their first 20 games, or even 4-11, and 11, let's say, in their first 15, then I'd start to worry. Because you're putting yourself in a tough hole to come back in a competitive Western Conference. But in just four games, I'm not going to panic too much. In four games with James Harden, the Clippers are giving up 115 points per game. We know we're a better defensive team than that. And we're only scoring 104 points per game. We know we have more talent than 104 points per game. There's too much talent on this team to not get things right. James Harden said this after the loss to Memphis. We're all in this together and we know the bigger picture. He's right. They know the bigger picture. They know it was going to take some time to get things back on track. And one thing Harden knows is that he has to sacrifice. He's no longer going to be the scoring champion of the NBA, which he hasn't been now for three to four years. He's really changed the player he was. Since going to Philadelphia over the last couple of years, he's become more of a playmaker and a passer. He still shoots, but he's more of a playmaker and looks to assist guys rather than take the big shots. He can still take the big shots, so he can still give you 30 points in any given night. He's still a talented player, but he's not going for 35 every single given night like he did in the Houston Rockets. That's not the James Harden that is James Harden anymore. But he's still a very good player, still a very good talent. I know he's not the player he once was, but the same goes for Russell Westbrook, Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. They're not the same players they were three to four years ago, but they're still top players in the NBA where they currently stand. And I hold them to higher expectations than they've been showing in the first four games with James Harden in the lineup. And like James Harden said, they know the bigger picture. They knew things were going to take time to gel. And someone has to sacrifice, though. Someone's going to have to sacrifice more than any other person in this big four. All four are kind of one foot in right now and one foot out between sacrificing on offense. I think all four guys are willing to sacrifice, but I don't think they're really figuring out which one's going to sacrifice yet. Because I think all four guys are sacrificing to some degree right now. In four games... Russell Westbrook's averaging 14 points per game. James Harden's at 13.5 points per game. Paul George at 17 points per game. And Kawhi Leonard at 19 points per game. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are the two main pieces that this roster is built around and that this franchise started a new era with in the 213 era back when they got them in 2019. They need to be the two guys that aren't sacrificing here. They need to be the two guys that are stepping up and saying, okay, we were here before, not being selfish, but this team was built around us. We're going to try to take some of the offensive load off of you guys. Maybe one of you guys runs with the second unit, which I still want to see if this starting lineup can work. I still want to give it a couple more games. But I think Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have to be the two guys that sacrifice the least here. And I think Russell Westbrook understands that. Russell Westbrook is a guy that's going to be blamed online by people, as he always is. He's always going to be the scapegoat. But it isn't Russell Westbrook's fault the reason they've lost five straight games. He's already been here. And he gelled so well with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard last season and even looked good for them at the start of the season before the trade that I wouldn't sacrifice his minutes and his opportunities in the game. I would keep Russell Westbrook in the role that he had before the trade. And if you look at James Harden, since stepping on the court for the Clippers, he's a minus 67 rating on the court. And when he's on the bench, they're plus 24. I still think they need to take time to gel. I'm not saying James Harden's the biggest problem here. But for right now, if I had to pick one of these four guys to sacrifice... I'd say it's probably best for James Harden to be that one that sacrifices. And at some point, if things continue to go bad over the next, let's say, three to four games, maybe he ends up being the guy that goes to the bench. Maybe they put him on the bench for a couple games to see what happens and see if that works. Because there still is a lot of time to experiment and figure out the best lineup. With that being said, though, I would rather roll with this starting lineup of the big four for a few more games and see if that can work. Because it's only been four games. 
Five games since the trade, four games with Harden in the lineup. And if you remember last season, the Clippers were 0-5 in the first five games at Russell Westbrook. And we know how things looked once things started gelling. He completely turned the team and their offense around with his pace and his ability to playmake. Tyloo actually split minutes between James Harden and Russell Westbrook in the first half against Memphis. And the Clippers are plus five in Russell Westbrook's minutes and minus 19 in James Harden's minutes. But I think James Harden just needs to be the playmaker that he was on Philly. Play relaxed, gain some chemistry over time with the guys around him, and try to gain some confidence back in his game. Because like Ty Lue said, he said this after one of the games, he said Harden's being too polite and he needs to be more aggressive. And Ty Lue also noted that he doesn't want Harden to defer and worry about fitting in, which I agree. It seems like James Harden's a little bit hesitant right now to be the player that he was on Philly. Just play make, take some shots when you have the opportunity, look for the guys around you, and just play relaxed. And like Paul George said after one of the games, he basically said that he wants James Harden to be James Harden. And he also acknowledged the fact that they knew there would be some growing pains. I think this was after the loss against Memphis. They knew there'd be some growing pains. And in my eyes, when the trade went down, I knew it would take a little bit of time to get some chemistry. Every flower needs rain before growing. There's going to be some bad before there's some good. You're going to have to figure out the chemistry over time, but once things are right and things get back on track, I think this Clippers team will roll. Just like Steve Adazio said, former BC football coach, I don't have a timestamp on when things will work out, but when things do come together, it's going to be beautiful. I still believe in this Clippers team. I really do. It's only five games into the James Harden era, with four of those games being in the lineup for James Harden. I wouldn't completely give up on this season after just a 3-6 and six start. There's still a lot of basketball left to be played. One thing I do worry about, though, is Bones Highland falling out of the rotation. Another year of Tyron Lue picking a guy in the rotation that's a valuable piece to the lineup and cutting him out of the rotation. Last year, it was Robert Covington. And obviously, we saw how valuable Roko was to the rotation when he got minutes this year and even in the spot minutes he got last year. And Bones Highland this year, he looked like a great player at the beginning of this season. And I know Bones Highland isn't a great defender, but one thing that you do get out of Bones Highland is hustle. He's always going to give you everything he's got on defense. He might not be the best defender, might be a little bit undersized, but you can't discredit the juice and the scoring ability he brings to the lineup and the hustle he brought to the lineup in the first four games off the bench. In the first four games of the season before the trade, he averaged 16 points per game, 46% from three, and 24.4 minutes per game played. And now with the trade happening, he got just six minutes against the Brooklyn Nets last Wednesday night, did play in that blowout against Dallas, which they ran a lot of that bench unit anyways, late in the game in the third and fourth quarter. And then against Memphis on Sunday, didn't play at all. And Tyron Lue said he's going to be out of the rotation until they figure things out. I wouldn't blame Bones Highland for the way things are going right now. I know he's not the best defender like I've noted, but you know he's going to hustle, and you know he can give you some juice on offense. And I know the Clips are overloaded with guards right now, and they're moving their depth all around to try to figure things out, which they already moved a ton of depth at power forward to make that James Harden deal happen. But I really wish they kept Robert Covington instead of Norman Powell. I like Norman Powell a lot. Very talented player. Obviously, you could see what he can bring to the lineup when he gets the minutes and gets those shot opportunities. Last year against the Phoenix Suns, he ended up being the second best player on the team next to Russell Westbrook when Kawhi Leonard went down and obviously Paul George was out. And then you even saw it against the Memphis Grizzlies on Sunday. Took some big shots in that one and got the Clippers back in the game. But Robert Covington was great defensively and also added some size to the lineup. I wish they kept Robert Covington. That was one of the worries of mine right when the trade went down. I mentioned it in my reaction, and I still feel the same way now. I wish Robert Covington was still here. I do love Norman Powell, though. Very good talent. Obviously, very good offensive player, but the Clippers have enough offense on this team. They have enough guys that want to shoot the ball, enough guys that want the ball in their hands. They need to go out and get some guys that can help them on defense, and Robert Covington was that. He could help you on defense in the paint, help you rebound. It could be a small ball five and be a power forward starting every game. 
And I honestly wish the Clippers waited, let's say, 10 to 12 games before making this trade happen. Because I think they would have saw even more how valuable of a piece Robert Covington was to the lineup. And maybe they would have said, okay, we're getting James Harden. Let's move Norman Powell in the day. We're already getting offense back with James Harden. Let's keep some depth at the power forward position, keep some size in the lineup, and keep some defense, and keep Robert Covington. Because after 10 to 12 games, I think you would have seen how important Robert Covington was to that lineup, even more so than the first four games of the season. They play tonight against the Denver Nuggets, a team that's the top of the Western Conference right now, but Jamal Murray is out of the game. He's going to miss some time for the Denver Nuggets lineups. That's one thing the Clippers have to take advantage of. There's no Jamal Murray in the lineup. The Clippers seem to obviously always struggle against the Denver Nuggets. That's always a problem for them playing Denver. That's obviously one of the reasons I never really wanted to play Denver is because every time the Clippers play them, it seems like things just do not go our way. They have to find a way to slow down Nikola Jokic. As you always know, he's always going to get close to a triple-double every single night. They have to find a way to slow him down, and we have to see if the small ball lineups can even work against a team like Denver. A Denver lineup, that's big. Nikola Jokic is obviously big, big man center, and then you have Aaron Gordon in that lineup. The Clippers have to find a way to figure things out, and now they have to do so against one of the best teams in the league. It's not like they benefit from a weak schedule and having to play, let's say, a few of the teams in the bottom of the Western Conference. No, that's not the case. They had to play Dallas on Friday night, which I did play Memphis, who's at the bottom of the Western Conference on Sunday. But now they have to play the Denver Nuggets, who's at the top of the Western Conference as well, just like Dallas. So they have a tough schedule, and they have to figure things out against these tough opponents. But I still believe in this team, and this is a perfect night to gain some confidence. If you can find a way to beat a team like the Denver Nuggets, which I have faith that the Clippers can do so. I know a lot of people don't believe in this team really much right now. But I still believe in this team. One win can go a long way. One win can gain momentum and can completely flip the switch for this team. There's no better opportunity to do so than in a primetime game on TNT, a game that you typically struggle in, playing the Denver Nuggets on primetime TV, and it's also an in-season tournament game. This would be a perfect opportunity for the Clippers to get things back on track, and I believe they could do so, which I believe they could do so every single night. There's too much talent on this team to continue to struggle. Just like I said about Zach Wilson at Sunday Night Football game against the Kansas City Chiefs, there's no better time to get things right than on primetime TV when the whole country's watching. You can completely silence all the haters, while they're watching, if you can get a big win under the bright lights of primetime TV. And I think the Clippers can do so tonight against Denver. Without Jamal Murray in that lineup, that's a big advantage for the Clippers. That's a guy that typically hurts the Clippers a ton on offense every single time he plays them. He has some big shots every single time. So now moving on, I'm going to talk about the Houston Rockets who have been completely turning things around. They were 1-8 and eight to begin the season last year in the first nine games. They're 6-3 to begin this season. So props to Ime Odoka. Just stepped in as a head coach, and he's working with the young talent they have. They're fourth in the Western Conference right now, and honestly, I'm getting vibes of last year's Utah Jazz team. A Utah Jazz team that nobody had expectations for to begin the season. They started the year hot, exceeding everybody's expectations in the first, let's say, 10 to 12 games, and then cooled off. But I think this Rockets team is better than last year's Jazz squad. I'm higher in this year's Rockets team than I was on the Utah Jazz team from last year. So I think this Rockets team can actually be a dangerous team that's going to be in a play-in game. Whether they're the 7, 8, 9, or 10 seed, I believe in this team now, and I believed in them before the season began. They have so much young talent, and they built so well for the future. Alperon Schengen has been great, having the breakout season that I thought he would. 19 points per game, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, and a steal with 60% shooting from the floor. Jalen Green started the year cold, but has woken up as of late. 19 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, shooting 40% from 3. And the Rockets' defense is among the best in the NBA. 106 points per game allowed, which is third best in the NBA. They're built well for the future. I'm excited to see what they do the rest of the season. Another team that's hot is the Philadelphia 76ers. They've won eight straight games. They're 6-0 since the James Harden trade was made. And they've completely taken over the Eastern Conference in the first couple weeks of the season. They currently hold the number one seed in the East as of right now. And if you look at the opposite side of the trade, 
So the Sixers have won eight games in a row, and the 6-0 since the trade was made. The Clippers have lost five straight games since the deal was made. So there's the two ends of the trade, which is still a long season to go. I still have trust and faith in the Clippers to turn things around. Tyrese Maxey has completely risen over the past year. His offense has really taken over the league from last year to this year especially. After 29 points per game, 5 rebounds, 7 assists, a steal, and a block, his defense has been great as well. And he's also shooting 43% from 3. He's been a top 20 player to begin this season. And honestly, that might be cutting him short. He's probably around top 50 to 17 right now in the first couple weeks of the season. It sounds crazy, but Tyrese Maxey is one of the best players in the NBA right now. With James Harden leaving, there's more shot opportunities for him. And he's also been playing unreal defense. So he's been catching a lot of people's eyes for his defense. But then you look at his scoring, 29 points per game, shooting 43% from three. He's been great to begin the year. Joel Embiid's been great as well. He's averaging 32 points per game, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, shooting 37% from three, and also averaging two blocks per game. He was the MVP for a reason last year, and right now, the way things currently stand, he's in the top for the MVP right now, the way things have gone in the first couple weeks. Since the trade was made over the last four games, Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, have combined to 68 points per game, shooting 52% from the floor, 35% from three, and have a 4-0 record. The Clippers Big Four, averaging just 62 points per game, 42% from the floor, 28% from three, and have an 0-4 record. So 4-0 record for Phillies, big two there between Embiid and Maxi. 0-4 for the Clippers Big Four. Embiid and Maxi averaging 68 points per game. The Clippers at 62 points per game. But obviously... The Philadelphia 76 have already gelled before. Tyrese Maxey and Joel Embiid have been together for a couple seasons now. The Clippers' big four, they're going to take some time to gel. They're going to take some time to gel, but I still have confidence in this team. The Sixers are averaging 121 points per game, which is third best in the NBA. When you have a guy like Joel Embiid in the paint, and then a guy like Tyrese Maxey that can do just about everything on the floor from playmaking, defense, and shooting, that's obviously a big advantage on offense. But credit to Nick Nurse, though. He's a great coach and is clearly getting the best out of everyone in that rotation. And the last team I'm going to talk about really quick is the Miami Heat. They've won five games in a row. They begin the season 1-4 with some losses to some good teams, though. Boston, Minnesota, Milwaukee. So I wasn't too worried about this team when they started off the season 1-4. They had a tough schedule to begin the year. But now they've won five straight games in their 6-4 overall. And a big reason for them turning things around was Tyler Hero, who unfortunately just hurt his ankle. He's going to be reevaluated in a couple weeks, but he does have an ankle sprain, so he's going to be out of the rotation for a little bit. But before getting hurt, he averaged 23 points per game, five rebounds, five assists, just about 41% shooting from three. Tough to see him go down, especially when he's really catching his rhythm. I know he's a big trade target over the last summer. He's involved in a lot of trade talks for Damian Lillard, but he's been balling out. He didn't let that bother him at all, and he's completely locked in this season. Jimmy's scoring has taken a little bit of a dip this season. Butler's only averaging 18.5 points per game so far, shooting a great 47% from three, though, which is elite for him. I still have confidence that he's going to get his scoring up over time. It's really early in the season for him, and obviously we know what he does in the playoffs every year. It doesn't matter what he does in the regular season. Every year in the playoffs, he completely takes over. One last thing I want to mention is Eric Spolster is a great head coach. I really wasn't worrying too much when they were struggling to begin the season. They had a tough schedule, but they have so much talent on that team. Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, and obviously Tyler Harrow, and then you have Eric Spolster as head coach. I knew they turned things around at some point. Anyways, it will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.